two hands aren't real, or are they? <laughs> My conversation today is with Kat McDavid, founder of Insana, a consulting firm focused on the market growth and success of healthcare tech companies and community-based organizations. Kat brings a truly incredible level of energy and commitment to everything she does, whether it's building a work culture requiring staff to devote time to passion projects or starting her own passion project, the Zoya Foundation, which supports the professional advancement of women in healthcare. And yes, we do get to the story of the ingenious Q-Hins Aren't Real campaign. Take a listen. Well, Kat, welcome to What's My Tagline. It's so great to be talking to a person I've actually known for many years and finally having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was so excited when you reached out. Yeah, yeah. The timing is good, too, because I think I'm going to see you uh, in October at the health event. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. We'll be there in Vegas. <laughs> we won't, but we, won't, we will not tell people what we'll what we will be doing in Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think that's a good yeah, yeah. I know there's going to be perhaps some drinking and gambling in my future, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, Kat, I gave our audience a little bit of a heads up as to what we're going to be talking about today um, on the episode of the show, but I gave you kind of a fair warning up front. My first question of all my guests is if you had to describe yourself as a tagline, what would it be? Yeah, um, I, I've been asked this question before. Oh. And my response to that remains, who knew would be my time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of those people um, who had a really great plan for what I was going to do with my career. I kind of tumble into things. And if I like where I tumble, I stick around and I dig in. Uh, and if I don't like where I tumble, then I tumble somewhere else. Right. But I'm, um, it's been, it's been a fun experience for me lately. I'm formerly form formally formally uh, mentoring um, two people from a VC's uh, mentorship program and they're in uh, they're in college they're about to graduate and like come to the real world and it's been such a funny experience for me because this is my first um, true like formal mentoring program like with an external party and all that um, and these these women it's two women they are like so mindful about their careers. They're thoughtful. They're doing all this work. They've got, they've had all the internships. They've got the right grades. They have the right connections. And like every time I talk to them, I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> all right. Like that has not been my life. Uh, but, it's like, who knew that I would be a mentor someday? Like, this would have happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that hasn't been my experience. <laughs> That's so funny. I think we're, we're going to talk about that. I think about that mentoring and your foundation here in a bit, but, uh, but let's start uh, with your who knew journey. I really, just real quick, spend a few minutes uh, telling our audience uh, about who you are, who is Kat McDavid, um, you know, your tagline, who knew, I mean, there's a story there, right? So give us, you know, give us a little color commentary uh, and, and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try to be brief because I'm sure this could go long, but yeah, I, I grew up <laughs> I'm one of five children. I'm the second oldest. I grew up with a stay-at-home mom, and I thought that women probably were, you know, had babies and, and they worked for a little while and stayed home, just like my mother, honestly. And so um, I, I wanted to do well. I wanted to um, have a career, but like I kind of didn't have um, a, a, a strong working uh, role model uh, in my life. So um, you know, kind of as I as I got into health technology, as I mentioned earlier to you, I've always been a consultant, um, uh, but I, I truly fell into that field. And kind of as I as I moved up 
Um, and I did have exposure to working mothers, uh, women who just kind of, in my opinion, could do it all. And one of those I've mentioned her many times before is Miriam Paramore, who at the time was uh, a big deal at MDON, now Change Healthcare. And um, just kind of watching her and her career, I was like, oh, like this is a thing that people do. And, um, and, and, and not, to, not to at all uh, degrade the role of stay-at-home mothers and, or anything like that. You do, what you're, what, you do whatever you want to do, I think is, um, is what I think about that. Um, but I was very attracted to, uh, to the working world. I really enjoyed the healthcare technology space. Um, even, you know, as uh, going, going from uh, a PR cub uh, into an executive. And so um, when I did have my boys and um, uh, tried to figure out what I was doing, I was like, nah, like I'm going to do it. And it was really hard. And this kind of leads into, um, you know, my, one of my big passion projects at Zoria Foundation. Um, but I, uh, I did eventually start my own business in Senna after working uh, for about seven and a half years at Dodge Communications, where we first met Carol. Yes. Uh, after, after an acquisition, right, I kind of wanted to keep doing what I was doing. Uh, and, um, you know, oftentimes acquisitions are great. And sometimes acquisitions don't go in the direction you want. And uh, I wanted to do something different. So I started in Senna uh, with my boys being pretty young and um, was almost, again, like, who knew, surprised that, um, that uh, I had I had so many clients that wanted to work with me. I think a lot of times you um, have a hard time seeing how other people perceive you. Um, but started in Senna, uh, a lot of my colleagues from my old company joined me, somehow did not get sued. That was, <laughs> that was a that win. Was, I was honestly too experienced to really know about a lot of a lot of those risks. So, um, you know, ignorance is bliss, I guess. But um, about a year and a half into uh, working at Incena, I actually fell in love with one of my clients, Collective Medical, uh, and sold Incena. So sometimes I say uh, Incena is my third child that I never had, and then I sold it promptly, right? <laughs> Um, which, you know, it's a story for another day. That, ha- that happens. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. But I was, I was really attracted to collective. I, um, you know, I'd never had that experience. Many of my clients exited. They were hot shit startups. And um, that was something that whenever I did receive criticism uh, about working with me as a consultant, it was, well, you don't know how it is on the corporate side. You know, you've never done that. And I, and I wanted it and I believed in the collective mission and what they were about. And so I sold it to my now business partner, Leslie Kirk. And went to be the chief medical, or I wish, chief marketing chief officer. Marketing officer. Uh, who knew? Chief, chief medical yeah, officer. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Sometimes you can just become a doctor. Uh, and the chief of external affairs for that company and um, had a really good time for several years and um, did some really cool stuff and got into the HIE space and understanding state government, Medicaid. Um, the policy world. I ended up taking on all of that uh, under my leadership. And um, then we were sold. We, we were acquired by uh, a lovely company, Point Click Care, uh, in late 2020. It was a virtual acquisition because of the pandemic. Uh, it was a, a really interesting experience going through that. And um, after that, I uh, took them as a client. Uh, they remain a client at Incena. I bought back in, uh, and now I run that business with Leslie. So it's kind of been a little full circle experience. Um, we, I run a separate practice that's very focused on uh, go-to-market growth strategies for accessing government as a customer, policy uh, as a tailwind for product, you know, things like that. Um, and as I mentioned to you earlier, we represent nine HIEs. We represent yes. two of the private sector uh, data companies in the industry. 
uh, a number of other uh, VC, government-oriented, nonprofit, all kinds of different clients in that space. Um, and then along with that, uh, in, in my other life, I also started Zoria Foundation, uh, which is a nonprofit, a public charity that provides cash grants to women working in healthcare to help them pay for childcare and caregiving expenses, uh, which ties back to that experience I mentioned earlier, where you know I I I, I like really didn't know or, or have exposure to women that had dealt with childcare and how much that that cost and how you keep working as a mother. Uh, and I'm I'm very fortunate that I always did have access to high quality daycare, childcare, uh, and I and I, I as I as I mentioned have a mother who's very dedicated to her family and often would fly down to cover for my business trips. But I also saw many, many, many more women who didn't have that. Uh, and I think it's one of the reasons I was able to, um, to get so far in my career uh, at an earlier age than some, because I didn't really have to pay that mommy tax that a lot of women right, do. Right. Uh, and I would like to be a part of that solution. I think it's great to write op-eds and um, be mad <laughs> about the world. But I also get a lot of uh, energy from having purpose and being a part of the solution. Um, so I, I, I do uh, work very hard and, and donate a significant amount of my own money, as well as uh, text and beg as many people as I know uh, to help contribute to that, too, because I do think even that little bit of, you know, a month's worth of childcare that we can cover at a time uh, for a working mother, especially in a clinical role, does make a really big difference. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. You know, uh, you obviously have a passion for a lot of different things, but it's interesting that uh, you know you've got your foundation, and we're gonna, we're going to talk here in a second about the you know the culture, the work culture at Incena, uh, but also this idea that you're mentoring, right? Uh, you know, young women. This is obviously helping women. You know with either their career objectives or fulfilling their dreams or from a financial standpoint stems from your, your childhood. Did you have a mentor growing up or did you have a mentor when you were in college or your career? I didn't. I, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it. my parents are awesome. They are hardworking. And um, even, even my mother as a, as a stay-at-home mom actually started numerous like small businesses on her own. Um, so I, I have a background of uh, very hardworking parents. My, my dad is a, uh, he's a farmer, but he also um, is a, a retired triple seven captain on American airlines, right? Like multiple jobs, having a lot of, having a lot of work going on at any given time is definitely um, just in my family culture, right? Like you should work and you should have purpose. Um, so that obviously was a great foundation. And I think all of my siblings have that as well. But as far as someone who was going to help me route through the professional world, no, um, I did not have that until I actually entered in and, and fell into the professional world. I can't, I can't say that, um, that I, that I had someone kind of guiding me in that way. Um, I did have a number of, again, back to the working all the time thing. Um, at, at any given time in, in college, I had around four jobs at one time. Oh, goodness. Right. Right. Yeah, and part of that, I mean, that's a, that's an inability to say no, but I, but I had a lot. <laughs> right. Um, um, one of, one of the, um, this might be too rambly, but one, of, one of the, I guess, critical points in, in my, uh, college career was I worked at a coffee shop part-time. And um, I had a lot of business people that came in and I got a lot of exposure to that because, you know, even though, you know, it's great. My dad was a pilot. He was not a business person, right? You're not learning right. a lot about the business world from a farmer, right? Um, but I, uh, I got a lot of exposure there and that's actually how I got my first job, which 
uh, unfortunately was as a drug rep <laughs> because there was, a, there was a founder who came in and he said, you're really good at talking to people. Uh, I think you'd be good at this. And so, you know, again, it's like, I just tumbled into things. Right, into right. Things. Pharma's okay. for you. Pharma's for I mean, you. Yeah, he's like, hey girl, no, I was not, I was not uh, working for Purdue Pharma. I was not selling painkillers. <laughs> the wound care pharmaceutical company, but um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think that was helpful, but yeah, I mean, and that, and that's, that's, you know, to, to your point about, you know, why, why, why do I do all of this stuff? I kind of fell into it and, and I, and, you know, I, I fell into it later, right. Where I had strong, uh, women mentors and, um, a good friend of mine, Maggie O'Keefe always talks about the importance and difference between mentors and sponsors. Oh. Um, I not only had mentors, I had sponsors, right. I had women who spoke up for me who pushed me in the right direction. It wasn't just someone who I'd call uh, for advice. I mean, these are women who to this day actively look out for me and, and, and push me in front of opportunities. So I think, I think that's important too. And, and I, you know, I feel very strongly that I have to pay that forward. Yeah. 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 So, you know, they sound like um, sponsors are champions, I guess, of you and, yeah. and, and, and they've, and they've made you a champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember even when I didn't, I didn't really tell anyone about uh, what I was doing with Zoria because I had no idea again what I was doing. Like back to the who knew thing. Um, I just kind of, you know, I, I, I talked to a few people. I fortunately have um, a, a very strong network these days of women in executive positions and, and someone who advised me on how to start a nonprofit, what to do, what to look out for, what what I should no longer do, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and when I launched it, it was just like a little LinkedIn post. Um, and, and those women who I'm talking about, and again, one of them is Miriam Paramore, one of them is Beth Minter, um, just like totally blew it up, right? Called me, sending checks, you know, like it, it's just really awesome to have that kind of support. Um, and I want everyone to have that, right? And if, if you work hard and you care, then, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't have that. Yeah. I think it's interesting that <clears throat> part of what you you, some of the messaging that, that you get out there, because, you know, I see, see it on LinkedIn and Twitter is this idea that the staff in Santa is going to devote a particular percent of their time to, a pa- to passion projects, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just like mm-hmm. you do, right? Um, I'm sure for, that's so unusual, number one, because, you know, you just don't, you really just don't, you just don't see that. And that, I guess, reflects, you know, leadership reflects, right, the culture. And and, that, and that's what you're, that's what the goal is, right? You, like you said, people need to pay it forward. Yeah, no, I, I yes, very strongly believe in that. And, and there's a couple of uh, points to make on that program. So um, one is, you know, you work hard, you do well. Um, and, and Encena has been fortunate in that we, um, have worked hard enough that we are in a strong position to allow our teams that time, right? Um, and we're well known and you have to be excellent in this space and we want to be the best. And so that's where a lot of this program came to be is one, for sure, you should follow your passions, blah, blah, blah. But two, I will only attract the best people and I will only have the best consultancy uh, if I make it a place where those best people want to work. Uh, and uh, over and over talking to the people who, I mean, I'm always recruiting, right? Whenever I'm with someone, whenever I'm at a conference, if I'm at an airport and I meet someone in this space, I'm always thinking, is this a person that can help me build this consultancy, right? And always the, the, the creme de la creme will talk about their passions, 
Uh, and it's something that sometimes is adjacent to their, their field. Um, but there's a lot of times where that's something that they can work on for real, and it can become an actual revenue generating project too, right? Um, and so not only are we making a difference, they're happy, they're making money, the consultancy is moving on and making money, uh, and it works out for everybody. So um, carving that time out is obviously a great recruiting tool. We make a meaningful impact. Everyone on my team has done really cool things to move the ball forward for their, for their passions. Um, and in many cases, those become clients of theirs. And so it's, it's really an awesome uh, cycle to watch. And the other reason I do it, so that's one thing to recruit um, senior staff and, and to make sure that they have time to dedicate what they, to what they need. I will joke and say my two most senior leaders, two amazing women, have the hardest time picking one thing. <laughs> I mean, so what they do, you know, so we check in a lot, right? And so maybe once a month, I'm like, give me an update on your passion projects. Uh, and for them, they keep making umbrella terms up for their passion topic. And I'm like, <laughs> no, one of them, this is Brittany Matera, I'm gonna make fun of her. Um, she calls it access to care. And under this topic, she has like maternal health, opioids, Medicaid, coordination. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Like that is not a topic, right? So <laughs> no, that's a, no, that is, no, that's 30,000 feet up. Yeah, yeah. So basically your entire job. Okay. Uh, but, but for junior staff, especially um, if I have someone who's coming in, who has never been empowered to kind of do a lot of cool things, right. Um, for them, um, I only grow, this consultancy only grows if I have, if my people excel and become better than me. And I firmly believe that it's one of the, one of the number one lessons I actually took from Dodge, where, where we met Carol, um, our CEO, Brad Dodge at the time, told me that my goal as a manager, I was a brand new manager. He said, your number one goal is every year you have to replace yourself over and over and over, because that is the only way a people business grows. So with junior staff, especially, I want them to have um, what, what uh, is in a book called Hack Your Bureaucracy as the, your paperclip what thing can you get and what thing can you keep trading up and up and up until you two are an expert, you two have those relationships uh, and you can run your own practice as well. So um, for junior staff too, the passion project is very, very important. Um, and, and this is, a, I'll give another example of an individual, she's, she's not junior, uh, she's a director level, but is building her influence in this space. And her, her, her passion is um, helping justice involved individuals access care. Wow, and wow. Um, and so she's uh, taken some a great initiative to work with a nonprofit in that space uh, and to learn uh, both from from actual uh, the actual justice involved individuals, um, the people who work within the justice system, as well as now working with members of our great federal government um, to figure out how we can work things together. And it's all because she has that time to fly out to visit the state prison in, uh, in Colorado, uh, to go to board meetings, to meet new people. Um, and, and it's really awesome to watch how much more quickly she's able to build her network because she's just so um, in love with what she's doing. Yeah. And you, and, and, and the culture gives her the freedom to do that. I mean, obviously she's working hard and she's, she's doing her job, but, but you know, yeah. you're, you, you, you look at this as a Venn diagram, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 That they're, they, these are not, you know, these are not separate railroad tracks, but they're, they're, they're crisscrossing over. Yeah, no, it, it, it's absolutely an investment on Leslie and my part, Leslie Kirk, who um, is my business partner um, for sure. And I've never seen it not pay off. 
So I'm sure I'm sure something's going to happen or like something to total disaster. But overall, um, looking at the positives, this is this has been something that excites my team. Um, we get a lot out of it. They they feel like they're really making a difference. And we don't have a lot of like super boring clients. Right. I mean, some people might think they are. Some people might think Tefka's boring. I don't know. Um, but but I, I think it, it gives them that little bit of spice uh, to work sure. on be excited about and I absolutely love it and I can't say I'm the best manager in the world like I think my team would probably laugh um, from a from a very processoring perspective it's not my jam but what I what I can do is give people the freedom and guardrails and goals to be exceptional yeah yeah I you know there are there are tacticians and, and you know operationally sound people and managers that that keep the business going and then there are there are managers and leaders who inspire. And I think the greatest inspiration you can give anybody is please be greater than me, <laughs> be better Absolutely. than me. Yeah. yeah, no, please. And, and, you know, it's so funny too. Um, stop me if I'm rambling on this, but you know, like I, uh, I mentioned collective medical was my first real job. That was my first corporate job where I wasn't um, a consultant or running a consultancy. And it was so interesting. And I think this is true of many companies because because in a people business like in center, right? Like, again, we have to replace ourselves. We have to move up. We have to get new people going. And um, especially in a relationship-based business like this, you really have to share a lot of information. And, um, you know, it's, it's your job to get your people up to speed. And in a corporate setting, you don't replace yourself every year, right? Like right. as a CMO, I'm not going to really replace myself, right? But what I ended up doing with that mentality is I moved into, I took over different functions, um, and made space on my marketing team for individuals to move up into that space. And um, I did not see that behavior across the organization, right? It was like, this is my job and you're going to get to a certain point person who works for me, but you're, I'm not, I'm not taking your career as seriously um, as, as I saw in consultancies, right? Cause it's, it's just a different incentive and a different motivation. And I really didn't like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to pivot here just very slightly because you mentioned the TEFCA word, the TEFCA acronym. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. Uh, explain to our audience the whole QHINs aren't real yeah. idea and campaign and Genesis. So <clears throat> you mentioned TEFCA, you know, obviously uh, you work with a lot of HIEs in the space and this is, this is a huge conversation going on right now in healthcare. Uh, you know, this, this path to interoperability, we, you know, we've been involved in it for ever, you know what I mean? It's just like right. you know, back you know, meaningful use days. And even, you know, this, 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 this talk uh, about interoperability across the board. So Q hands aren't real has really uh, gone really viral as much as it can go viral in, you know, this niche, this niche space that, that we occupy. So what was behind this? Yeah. Well, let me give all the credit where the credit is due. The actual QHINs aren't real concept uh, is a brainchild of Carrie Pycoach, who's a managing director on my team, uh, and Max Kowalczyk, who is our graphic designer at Incena. And all this kind of started um, because, again, we work in uh, data exchange. That's my, my team every day is kind of in the field, figuring out where to get data, how we work with data use agreements, all these things. So this is kind of our work world. And we were getting so many uh, inbound inquiries, texts, whatever, emails um, with, with confused people um, saying, hey, um, 
our health plan just emailed and said, we're going to cut off our HIE agreement because we can get all of our data from TEFCA. And I said, well, when, when did they do that? And they said, they're going to do it effective next month. And I'm like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And <laughs> it's, a, it's just so much misunderstanding of a yes. very complex topic. And so, um, you know, Carrie one day, Carrie's great at like, you know, the, the world of meme culture and all that. Um, and so I think she just started saying it on our Slack channel, like humans aren't even real or something, you know, in, in, in her voice. I, Get her on here so you can hear her say it. Um, and then Max again just you know jumped on uh, and, and made this ridiculous graphic with the cat and the UFO, right? And it was just so perfect. Um, and again, as we kept getting these inquiries or people saying, oh, Tefka for public health. And I'm like, yes, but that is not a that is not a today's solution, right? Those those SOPs haven't even been written, right? Um, this is a far off thing if it's even going to happen. And, and as we've discussed, it's it's not a mandatory program. So, yes, we believe in the more opportunities for data exchange, the better, the easier access for patients, the better. Um, but we were getting a lot of like, what the hells from the market? And that happens with something as complex as this. And um, you've seen the graphic that's supposed to explain Tefka. It's got like 27 oh, it's, and a bunch of it's, lines. It's right? crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and that's not that's not how you communicate to the public at large. That's how you communicate to a very technical audience. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I guess there wasn't a lot of money in the budget or something to simplify that message for the general public. Uh, and so this is what we get, right? And then we have the, the private sector involved becoming QHINs, and there's just a lot of a lot of game of telephone. And so, um, you know, as Carrie was <laughs> taking this campaign to the next level, as an example, she spoke on a panel at ASTO, uh, which is the Association for State and Territorial Health Officials. Uh, to explain TEFCA and DMI and all these other acronyms. She wore that shirt to her presentation. She's just like a hilarious Oh, person. my goodness. Um, and we, we posted it on LinkedIn. We got a lot of people saying, I want a shirt. And, um, and then we thought, this is a really good opportunity to claim the narrative. If we can pull it off, right? Put it out there in the market. Have a series of ridiculous days where we, you know, as you saw, ask Mickey Trapathy to, to be photoshopped into a T-shirt. Right. Um, and then how do we clear up even a little bit of that confusion and, and use social proof and elements of persuasion to do it? Um, and on top of that, you know, donate to a good cause. We donated to Project Hope. This is part of my passion project, Selfishly. Um, it's a, um, an organization that uh, takes women in uh, with their children as they go through um, uh, medication-assisted therapy for opioid use disorder. So really, I mean, I visited this place. I love it. You know, thank you to Sonia Chambers for introducing me to these awesome people. Um, but yeah, so it was, it, it, it was, you know, we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, kind of like my tagline, we had no idea that this was going to be as big of a thing as it was. Um, but, you know, I think we, we got enough models into those t-shirts with some really ridiculous LinkedIn posts with a lot of capital letters that, um, people were into it. And then the cool thing about it is, yeah, after a couple of weeks, everybody got their t-shirts, <laughs> right. posting their selfies and writing right, their, right. It started a whole, a whole nother wave basically. Yeah. 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 But it, I think, and this is what we, we've told their, you know, cause the whole company, our whole company didn't quite get it either. Right. Like <laughs> birds aren't real. Humans aren't real. You know what you're going to do. Um, but uh, we've explained a lot about like, okay, well, this is, this is, yes, it was cool. Um, this is a topic we care about and we were able to clear up some misconceptions. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, what a great example of um, using humor to simplify right. complex messages um, and then use elements of persuasion, right. To kind of take the market for a little while, you know, 
we had a couple of days where we took the market and yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. that we used it effectively to communicate what we needed well, to. Well, you did. And I'm, I'm dating myself here, but you know, I remember when I first saw it in, I mean, I, I don't know why, but like, you know, the nineties TV series, the X-Files came to mind, you know, the truth is <laughs> yeah. out there. I was like, yeah. right, right, like the, okay, the truth about Q-Hens, it is out there. Cause I do know what Tefka um, diagram you're talking about. And honestly, <laughs> it's more complicated than following the family history of the English royalty. It's like, yeah. 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 Something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, so Kat, as we, as we wind down our conversation today, uh, I'd like to end with us, not a, like a who knew, but a what's next. I understand, um, A, you're going to be speaking, you've got a speaking engagement at an event coming up. I know that's, mm-hmm. that's a what's next, but uh, what's in the future for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, overall, I want to, I want my team, um, and my team doesn't necessarily have to be in center, right? But the people on my team, um, I want to be able to look back in 10 years and say, we had a huge part in connecting the country and making data flow. Um, that's kind of my, my overall what's next. That's my 10 years. What's next, you know, careers are long, who knows what's going to happen after that. Um, but then more near term, I, again, I want I want Incena to become um, a really incredible uh, organization for growth and change in this sector. And I think we're we're getting there. And I think that it's one of those the uh, days are long but the years are short type of scenarios. Sure. And then passion project wise, you know, obviously um, I care very much about uh, Zoria Foundation and having it be something that's sustainable and making a real impact for women in our industry. Absolutely. Um, and then as part of that too, you know, like uh, you mentioned, some of these speaking engagements uh, have coming up. I'm speaking with Dr. Casey Claiborne of the Addiction Research Institute, also out of UT Austin, uh, about um, how we can use technology and some of that data exchange to impact the opioid epidemic, um, which does affect um, a number of, um, you know, unfortunately, a large portion of um, women and, and their families in certain areas of the country. So that's kind of my near term, what I would like to, uh, impact at least, you know, at least educate people on what's in the realm of the possible, um, more medium term, um, you know, making sure Zoria is stood up and, and honestly that it can exist without me, right. That it's a self-sustaining thing and that we, um, we're making a difference, uh, no matter who is involved in that. And then, yeah, long-term, like I want this country to be connected. Yes, yes. Oh, don't we all? I here's what I have to say: the, the the healthcare industry and the health IT sector, especially, is will be forever grateful to you for the work that you've done. It's really tremendous, seriously. For somebody of your young, your 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 young years. <laughs> you know, I was telling someone I got invited to. I'm going to butcher this name. Um, the Young Health Leaders Summit um, on Monday in Raleigh. And oh, you know, it has the word "young" in it, and I just turned forty, and I actually had to email. Them. And I said, are you sure I'm invited? Do I qualify as young? Yeah. It's yeah. young anymore. Is it under 30? You know, like I said, these women I'm I'm mentoring in this VC program, I mean, they're like, they can't even go to the bar with me yet. And they're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're gonna be president by the time they're like 38, you know, and here I am, like just dorking around. So yeah. let's hope they're ruling the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. They probably will. If I tell them, you know, they like I don't even know what advice I can give you guys. I, I just can tell you it's gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Kat, it's been so wonderful catching up with you and I look forward to seeing you shortly in a couple of months. 
Yeah, no, thank you for having me, Carol. You can learn more about Kat McDavid and her company at Incena.com or on LinkedIn. And be sure to check out her non-private foundation, ZoyaFoundation.org. You can learn more about this show by visiting the program page on healthcarenightradio.com and follow me on LinkedIn. Until next time, I'm Carol Flagg, and I want to know what's your tagline.